Hello and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show with me, Lewis McParlin. In this one, we'll be looking back at some of the Coupe de France fixtures that happened this past midweek with the quarterfinals taking place to decide who will make it into the semis one step closer to the illustrious final. There were some surprise results and tight matches, well... Some more tight than others, Thomas will tell us about that in a moment, so stay tuned for the reaction. We'll also be taking a look forward to two of the games set to be played across this weekend in the real Super League, Ligue 1 of course. Yes, we've got Rams versus Marseille as well as Lille-Lyon to look at. And alongside me for this one I have Thomas Wiseman as ever and Jeremy Smith. So before we start with any other segments on the show today, I want to touch on something that is recently actually broken in France, news that is hot off the press you could say uh, and it is that Bordeaux their owners King Street have announced that they will no longer be supporting the club financially for it quote its current and future needs I've got Raphael Zucoban on the show today to talk about it he's a Bordeaux fan his family are from Bordeaux there, there's no one better you could talk to about this current situation at Bordeaux and I've spoken to, to Raphael before uh even before even this news was announced, I think we talked a couple of months ago and we were just discussing Bordeaux. And even then, Raphael, you said that it was a bit of a torrid situation. This is just, it's been coming, hasn't it? This is it just finally coming to light, Raphael. The situation of the club not really going to be supported financially and the possibility that it could be placed into administration, of course. That's the news that's broken, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, most people, most Bordeaux fans saw this coming from a mile away, to be honest. Since the takeover back in 2018, like it's just been a sort of a litany of errors from uh, from everyone sort of involved higher up at Bordeaux. Um, I mean, in the first place, it already came off as a bit of a shady takeover. It was two um, two American investment funds. Then after a year, one of them pulled out, and we were left with King Street, who uh, really just haven't shown their face ever. Um, their their sort of front man at the club, um, the director Frédéric Longuepé, he's you know he's been taking it from the fans, but realistically, no one's ever really seen King Street in the any anyone from King Street in the flesh. So it's always been a bit shady. And everyone's you know no one's really surprised that it's come to this, but still, it's 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 a sad day really for the club and. You know, who knows who knows what's gonna to happen to us from now. Yeah, because King Street have only been in the job, they've only been owners of the club for what, three years? Twenty eighteen they, they, yeah, they got into business it. with Bordeaux. And you you said it was a bit of a shady takeover, but but when they joined, did they say like, Yeah, we're gonna be in it for the long run, it's gonna be fantastic, we're gonna take Bordeaux, I don't know, to the Champions League and, and, and further? Like what, what was the atmosphere when they did buy the club? Well, the guy they sent over to Bordeaux to sort of do all the PR press stuff was um, was a guy from their sort of their associates, uh, GAC, GACP. So um, the guy Joseph De Grossa, who was named president of the club, and he sort of did all these interviews saying that you know he's going to take Bordeaux back to the Champions League, or that he was going to. I mean, he said they were going to invest 80 million euros in the transfer market. Which obviously never materialised. I think the biggest, the biggest fee we ever spent in those three years was 
10 million euros on a uh, on Remy Uda, which in hindsight wasn't the best investment <laughs> but yeah you know they they made they came out with these big statements and obviously when de Grosse left a year on um, when uh, King Street took over the club sort of 100% uh, there was never really any communication with the fans from that moment on so you know they're saying they're saying in the statement that you know they they they're not going to they're not going to put money into the club but it's not as if they were they were involved with the club that much in the first place anyway so yeah it was it was coming from a mile away mm. and and there there was even criticism dating back a number of years obviously you said it, it wasn't the the best takeover in the first place but even the mayor of bordeaux or, or someone i believe was was trying to be mayor at the, the point pierre Pouramik, he opposed the takeover in 2018 even making it a bit of his his election campaign, a bit of his, his, I don't know what you would say, a manifesto when he was trying to be mayor, saying that he would try and oppose this takeover. So everyone could see this coming. Was it a, was it a thing in France? Was it a thing in Bordeaux where just everyone knew this was not going to end well? Yeah, I mean, pretty much everyone in the fan base was against it. Um, I think it was justified by saying that it was a sort of... Yeah, I, I think... People had the had the impression that MCs, uh, the channel, the this TV channel that used to own us for about 20 years before uh, before 2018, their time had sort of come to an end, and they wanted to pass on the club to to someone else. So the club was uh, was up for sale, but yeah, it seems like they just they just flogged it off to the highest bidder, which. Uh, so I mean, they sold it for 100 million euros. About that, and they didn't really look into, you know, what the what the project behind it was or anything. They just sold it to the highest bidder, and I mean, that was at the time that was the most that was everyone's biggest concern. There wasn't really any sort of substance behind the bid or any sort of explanation of what they were actually going to do with Bordeaux. So yeah, I mean, you mentioned you mentioned Pierre Emerick. He actually he was on the I think he was on the council uh, the council that voted against the takeover initially the council in the um, sort of the Bordeaux city council um, and then and then when the uh, when the, when the next mayoral election came he actually he made a campaign point and then he got voted in unsurprisingly I mean, it's, it's a bit of an electoral open goal to go against the Bordeaux owners <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, everyone was against it, and you know, it's it's been building up for a while. For, for the last three years, fans have been protesting against the ownership, against the higher ups. That you've had fans sort of invade the training ground. You've had supporters invade the pitch during games. It's really it's all been building up, and I mean, I don't, I don't know what they're planning to do now, but it's probably going to be something even bigger, I'd imagine. Mm. And of course, this is this is extremely recent news. It was only announced about an hour, hour and a half ago. Um, but for you, a fan, and and you know many other fans that I'm sure you know of and you're in contact with a lot, how is this news to take? I mean, I mean, this could have some really, some really massive effects on the club. You know, we don't know if a buyer will will happen. I don't know if administration might be an option. Like it could really set the club back. A good number of years, despite Bordeaux being such a historic, massive club in France, especially recently, you know, it wasn't that far ago they were playing in Europa League and, and, and playing in Europe. And, and now we're talking about administration. It must be tough to hear 
as a fan. Definitely. I mean, you know, we've, we've gone from the Champions League quarterfinals to administration. Because what, what we've been placed under right now is effectively administration by the uh, by the city council, sort of. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough to take, you know, when, you know, I remember seeing Bordeaux win the title. And, you know, having players, having players like Gorkouf, Shamak, Shamak back before he was a bit of a meme an arse <laughs> and uh, yeah and you know either way even without this this news we have been slipping down for the last decade we, you know, we're quite near the relegation zone so it's not like it's not like it's a massive fall from grace all of a sudden it, it's been coming for the last 10 years and yeah it's tough to take you know, we've we've been down before. We've been in the second division. We were, we were down there in the nineties, and we came back up to play, to eventually play in Europe. So we've we've bounced back before. But yeah, if if you know, if at the end of the season we do get relegated to sort of the fifth or sixth division, like they did with Strasbourg, for example, it's you know it's going to be a long way back. It's going to be it's going to be interesting because you know we've we've got a, we've got a brand new stadium now. And you know, and we've and we've got all this debt, all these all these investments. It's going to be hard to see how they can they can keep up with it. Mm. And and you mentioned there the fate of Strasbourg, who have been in a similar position in recent years. Uh, how do you see the future of this going? Then how do you see this panning out? Are we actually looking at a situation where a massive club like Bordeaux could be placed into a lower league if a buyer isn't found quick enough? I understand this is obviously extremely new news, but how do you see this one actually going? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's hard to say, obviously, but I think it's unlikely that we'll find a buyer because, essentially, well, I mean, essentially, King Street had already put the club up for sale back in back towards the end of last year, and they're asking price was the same as uh yeah it was the same as what they bought it for back in back in 2018 so 100 million and that's on top of the 100 million debt that we're already in so any potential buyer would have to shell out at least 200 million which yeah it's not really i mean it's not really an appetizing an appetizing club to take on for any for any investor so it's hard to see you know someone swoop in and take the club over so i mean yeah it's it's hard to say right now you know what the uh what the most probable outcome is but either way i'm personally i'm quite pessimistic about the situation mm, i understand why um yeah it, it could turn into turn into quite a tough situation at bordeaux obviously with how it is to now, not many people have hundreds of millions of euros to, to shell out. And, you know, we've seen similar situations with other clubs in the past. Obviously, we've been mentioned Strasbourg, but a lot of French teams have, have had similar fates to this where the money just seems to dry up. Teams don't want to, people don't want to invest in clubs anymore. And it seems as if Bordeaux are just the, the next one in this case. I, I actually saw someone on Twitter saying that, obviously, such a shame happening at Bordeaux and they thought it could be the start of a number of clubs starting to get into these real financial uh, troubles because of, obviously, the, the, the French TV deal has been up in the air 
as of recently and COVID-19 has stripped a lot of the finance away from many of the league and clubs. Raphael, do you agree with that sentiment? That it could be just the first in a series of clubs to really have some financial troubles in France? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Bordeaux are a relatively big club. They've got a lot of resources. So if they're the ones who are falling first, then imagine how, how it's going on behind the scenes at other clubs, which, you know, don't have the same sort of resources. I think... I don't, I don't think it's going to be a mass sort of die-off throughout the league, but, I, you know, Bordeaux are definitely not the last club to, to have financial difficulties this season. Just wanted to mention, you know, for example, I'm pretty sure when the media pro um, fiasco was, was happening, you know, Neem told their players they couldn't pay them after March or something like that. So, it, you know, a lot of clubs are are in trouble, um, especially due to the pandemic, so... Like uh, like Raphael said, this is uh, won't be the last, I don't think. Okay, Raphael, thanks. Uh, really appreciate it coming on. Obviously, talking about a difficult subject, but Raphael, I do really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Great. That was Raphael Zukaban there, who's the editor in chief of Get Time Football News, and obviously also a Bordeaux fan. So, like I said in the intro, there were four Coupe de France matches across the midweek. The the, the quarterfinals of the competition to decide, obviously, who gets into the semis. All these teams vying for a place in that illustrious final. You know, the Coupe de France is such a historic competition and a lot of the lower league teams always, always like to give it their all to try and get into that final stage. And there were three lower league teams actually involved in the last eight, which is really a remarkable achievement and one that lies in, in the tradition of the competition, the Coupe de France, you know, it always supports the lower league teams and especially when fans are in the competition, there's a lot of traditions that the bigger teams usually do to support the, the smaller teams, to give them, you know, some of the money from the tickets, for example, to really support the smaller teams. It's, it's, it's a key part of the competition. And the three teams were Canet Roussillon and Valérier, uh, both playing in the fourth tier of France at the moment, the National 2. Um, the former team, actually, Canet Roussillon, made a bit of a name for themselves after knocking out Marseille with a 2-1 win in the round of 16. I feel like Marseille have a bit of a tradition of getting knocked out by lower league teams. I think it was André Zieux, who played in the fourth tier, knocked them out a few years ago, 2019. Uh, yeah, they've got a bit of a knack, <laughs> a bit of, a knack of that. Um, and Toulouse were the other lower league team, of course. Toulouse now playing in Ligue 2 since their relegation. And Valéria and Toulouse actually faced off in one of the matches, which guaranteed a lower league team in the semis, which is always fantastic to see. But many expected Toulouse to win this one, you know, currently sitting in Ligue 2, playing some nice football, got a really nice team this season. They expected them to win, but Valéria, playing in the fourth year of France, have hardly played any football this season due to the lower leagues being postponed and whatnot. They pulled off a magical 2-0 win to keep the dream alive. A first half goal from Mathieu Guillard and an own goal from Anthony Ruol, a young defender for Toulouse in the second half. Those two goals putting Valériere through to the semis. Their first time uh, ever in the semis in their entire club history and they're quite an old club and L'Equipe even described it as the greatest feat in their history. Thomas Wiseman, this was a, a fantastic win for Villariere. And, you know, lower league teams are really at the heart of this competition, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, there's so there's 
I think, what do we say, 8,000 teams that compete in this? From mm. not just France, but, you know, you've got your regions outside of France as well, the overseas regions, and, and that's what the, the Coupe de France is all about, you know. We see it every, every year, there's always, you know, a, a real underdog that, that, that you know, gets the upsets. Um, it's actually multiple a lot of the time, and, uh, you know, probably, uh, they, I don't think they've played a, a, a league game for about six months, maybe. I think they, the um, lower divisions got postponed in October or September. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a phenomenal result for them. And it just, you know, especially in the context of what's happened this week, um, it really just shows what is what is so great about about football. Yeah, and, and the Coupe de France is, is great for that. I think Thomas said it there. It's around about 8,000 teams, 8,500 teams, I think, mm-hmm. that compete every year in the Coupe de France. And as far as I know, this this season was, was not really that different from a usual year, even though you've got teams from a lot of the islands, miles away from France, that still play in this competition. You know, that there, there are loads of teams. For comparison, I think the English FA Cup has just shy of a thousand teams to play in about 800 I think off the top of my head I might be wrong on that and in Scotland I think it's just shy of a hundred it's actually not even that many teams but France you know everyone in their grand can get in get involved in the competition you get pretty much everything from professional teams to glorified Sunday League teams uh, that there was a I remember <laughs> there, there much, was a yeah. there was a team a couple of years ago this might be disrespecting them a little bit but it was, it was Noisy Le Grand uh, and they got a match a couple of years ago I can't remember who it was against but it was like Ligue 1 or, or Ligue 2 opposition and the pitch that they played on it was just not that much more than a park down, you know it was just a park <laughs> in the centre of the town it was great and I remember they went and won the match and then qualified for another match after that I think they had to rent a bigger stadium or, or have a use of a bigger stadium for it it's really great you always see these small teams uh, just prick up and, and great fantastic results but in this competition Thomas that always seems to happen it's not like the, the smaller teams just get knocked out all the time like it happens in maybe other competitions every time we get to this later stage and there always seems to be one or two smaller teams who you've probably heard very little of in the last few years punching above their weight. And this year, Valerier are one of them, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. It's, it is great every year to see, you know, which teams are, um, are sort of fighting off the, the 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 clubs in the big leagues. And, and it's always interesting to, to try and research and try and dive into the internet and see what's happened to this team. Because some of them are, you know, have been well established for for many 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 years and decades um and then others have just been formed you know Salma who were who just about lost to Toulouse in the last round who were from the fifth tier and they're only formed at the start of the uh the start of the century um and elsewhere there were other wins in the quarterfinals Cani Lucion who I said earlier were one of the other lower league teams at this stage of the competition unfortunately they did, they did go out to Montpellier losing 2-1 Cani Roussillon were actually leading after 25 minutes scoring a penalty after Montpellier had a man sent off so they had a lot of time to play against 10 men but you know, as Valeriere haven't played in a while and they managed to fight through that game against Toulouse, Cani Roussillon really found it difficult uh, just with the, the sheer lack of games that the, a lot of the lower teams have, have played this season and Montpellier got that late win through, of course, Andy Delors. Who else? Uh, he got a late penalty to put Montpellier into the semi-final and Montpellier will definitely be aiming to go and get in the final and maybe win this competition. It, it seems like that type of year. 
Elsewhere, Jeremy Smith, we saw a win for Monaco, then beating Lyon 2-0 to progress. A, a massive result for the club, and surely if they could maybe get to the final or even get some silverware, that would just be this season's cherry. One that at one point didn't look as if it was going great, but these last few months, these key months, they've really stepped it on. It would be a fantastic feat if Monaco could really get to that final, wouldn't it, Jeremy? Uh well, I mean, they're, they're doing pretty well in the league as well. So it's not like it's a, a kind of underdog story. Um, and, you know, there's always a team that has maybe a little bit of a lucky run and, and bring out the old cliche of maybe their names on the cup. I mean, they I think they got pretty lucky um, in the match against Lyon. I think Lyon hit the woodwork three times in five minutes. Um, and then... Uh, the the match kind of turned on a on a it was a really bad tempered match anyway. I mean, literally straight from kickoff, Volland scythed uh, Leon player down and, and quite rightly immediately got booked. And Stephanie Frappard, I think, is a, is an excellent referee and quite quite deservedly is going to be in um, in the Euros the, the first female referee to, to uh, referee in a, a major men's championship, which is brilliant. But I think at times she struggled to, to keep control yesterday. Uh, Garcia also got sent off. Um, and the match turned on um, Diamondi with a bit of a wild challenge, um, which gave away a penalty, which Ben Yedder obviously put away. Um, he's a bit like Harry Kane in that if he took away his penalties, he would actually sometimes look quite an average striker. Um, but, um, and that, that changed the match. And even then, I thought it was a relatively, it was a high foot, but it was a relatively harsh call, I thought, to, certainly to send him off, let alone to give the penalty. And, and yeah, that, that turned the match. I mean, partly Leon's fault because they sort of let it get to them. Um, Salt was kind of rubbed into the wound where they had a reasonable call for a penalty and instead Frappard booked Depay, which means he's going to miss uh, a league match against Lorient as well. So, yeah, I mean, uh, obviously a good run to the semi-finals. Obviously, everything is, is kind of falling Monaco's way at the moment. And depending on, on the draw, um, they're, they're, they're looking in very, very good shape to, to maybe win the trophy, particularly when you think that um, obviously... We'll come to it, but the main team left is PSG and they've already got the double over them this season. So, uh, yeah, they're well set. You said the Coupe de France would be a cherry on top. I mean, in theory, they could they could still get the double. Of course, what, what I was meaning more earlier is, is that at one point, Monaco's season definitely didn't look as if it was going to be a, a terribly fantastic one. You know, they had a bit of a slow start, but they have picked up their form under Niko Kovac. You know, you sometimes do find that with managers that some is just straight off the bat everything just seems to click but otherwise and other managers they seem to kind of need a few months to kind of get everything clicking and that's kind of what's happened with Monaco recently isn't it yeah it reminds me a lot about of and please please don't misunderstand me I definitely do not mean this in any way as a compliment <laughs> but it reminds me a lot of Lens in the 98 season where basically they they sat back and watched Mess, Monaco and Marseille sort of knacker each other out in a three-way fight for the title and then sort of crept up behind and, and won it. Um, I'm obviously still extremely bitter about that. 
And um, it feels a little bit like Monaco doing that as well, like Lille, PSG and, and Lyon have kind of made all the running all season. And you sort of wouldn't be surprised if, if Monaco just kind of popped up at the end. And, yeah, you know, they have obviously had amazing form in, in 2021 and, and played some really good stuff. But um, I feel like it's been a little bit easier because they've had pretty much all the pressure off them. Um, and they've, yeah, they've had a reasonable run. And, and now they've got a couple of tough matches coming up in, in uh, um, they've still got Lyon and Monaco, I think. Um, sorry, Lyon uh, and so, Lille, I think, to play. So Monaco have still got Lyon to play, yeah, and they've also got Rennes as well, which could be a, a tough match if they keep up their form. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, so you know, if, if if they do manage to do it, then 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 good luck to them. You know that you can't argue with their form of this year. But um, yeah, I still feel like others have done the really hard graft, and I sort of I don't know. I I still hope Leo do it. Okay, F- fantastic. Less uh, and less convinced. <laughs> Always happens. Um, okay, and just before we move on, obviously the, the last match in this stage of the competition uh, Thomas I'm pretty sure you got you got a really good view of it I can't remember what the score was but you might need to remind us did Angie did Angie not get the memo that, that PSG haven't been that great domestically this season did they, did they not get yeah, that memo like unfortunately Andre have been probably the worst side in in Liga in this season well in 2021 actually you know Dijon are pretty pretty bad as well one of the worst sides, let's say. <laughs> um, it was, uh, yeah, it was an interesting performance. Um, they did boast the oldest starting lineup that Moulin's ever started at thirty point oh, wow. five years of age. So that was a record gone. Another one, um, and it did show because they <laughs> completely switched off for some of the goals, and they did create enough chances to probably level it at half time to make it two all, and they didn't. And then, you know, PSG got a third, and it was all over then. So they won't be getting their, so their hands on. on the silverware this season's what you're saying. So let's move on. <laughs> and that, well, let's just it's, sad to, it's sad to see that's probably the last match for uh, Ludovic Boutel, who's it was an Andre keeper that got uh, it was the keeper when they got promoted back in 2015, um, and he's been there for a while. He left to Belgium for a season or so, and he's 38 now, and it's his. And end of contract, so he's probably the last game we'll ever play. And it's a shame to see him go out on a not a very nice uh, performance from the team. Mm, but, was it you know. was it Patel who had like some kind of horrific injury? Uh, I don't think so. How long ago he, he talked? He looked a bit like he had an injury quite, the other quite, night when he conceded five Quite, quite a while ago, I think he used to play for Mess as well. I think like some freak thing where like some clash coming out for the ball and sort of. Tore some kind of artery or something really horrible. An artery? <laughs> really? I've not heard of this before. I might be thinking of a completely different keeper. <laughs> well, someone get him to the hospital. We can cut all this out. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really feel sorry for for well for Thomas, <laughs> but okay. um, for Angers, I just I really worry for them. Just it seems like everything's sort of collapsing at once. You know, at mm. least if they had a, a young team, you could sort of see something positive but with stuff going on off yeah, the pitch well, and then and Moulin well, obviously leaving I'm, yeah yeah I'm really concerned yeah Moulin and all his staff basically leaving as well the only good thing about the them having uh, about a dozen players out injured or 
with COVID is that we've been able to see a few minutes given to the players that have come through the academy, which is um, at least, you know, a silver lining, I yeah. guess, of some sort. Good, th- good thing to kind of to finish off the legacy, man. Then yeah. get some of the get some of the other players uh, some minutes before the next manager comes in. Uh, mm-hmm. But okay, that that's our summing us up for the Coupe de France. So there's four teams left in the competition: Monaco, Montpellier, PSG, and of course the fourth tier Valerier. And I think I'll, Thomas and Jeremy will join me in saying that we do hope Valerier pull off a bit of a stunning result. Maybe get to that final really. Just give the players something to celebrate after a terrible season for you know a lot of the the lower league clubs who just have hardly had much of a season this uh, this campaign. Unfortunately, uh, the draw for that will surely be soon, and we'll find out who draws who. I don't know if Valerie will be hoping for PSG or maybe uh, one of the other teams to maybe get to the final, but uh, we'll cover that all when it happens. So once again, another fantastic result and achievement for Valerie getting this far in the competition. Now, let's move on to the first of our two previews for this podcast. This weekend, Rams, currently sitting in 11th, are going to be the hosts for Marseille, currently in 6th place in Ligue 1. And, you know, Marseille have had, I think a lot of French teams have had a a very turbulent season. You could say that, you could say, you know, we were talking earlier in the show about Bordeaux, they've had a turbulent season. Marseille have done the same, but now they're sitting in sixth. It's, it's just that type of thing, you know, you, you blink for a second and then they win a couple of games and they're up vying for Europe. Jorge, some, Jorge Sampaoli, rather, was recently made the manager of Marseille following Andre Villas-Boas's departure, we'll say. I don't want to call it a sack and don't want to call it a resignation. Departure, we'll call it. Um, and Sampaoli has had six games under his belt now as manager all in the league four wins a draw and a loss that coming to Nice and he's the first manager in 30 years to win his first four home games at Marseille Thomas Wiseman that's some pretty solid standing so far isn't it? Yeah I mean it's uh, a vast improvement I'd say um, Marseille performance would be would be happy with you know how how he's um how he's coming to the club and had an effect on how they've been playing because you know before I'd say before he joined he, he had you know a few pretty crazy games um, when he when he did join but they are now you know um, right up there and, and putting a lot of pressure on Lance in for that for that um, qualification for the Europa League or the, sorry the Conf- is it Conference League now? Conference League, yeah. That new Conference League. So they're right back in it now and, uh, you know, potentially they could be uh, playing in Europe. Which, by the way, sorry, can we say, Conference League? How terrible a name is that? <laughs> I'm, I, I'm all up for, yeah, third competition, <laughs> get it in, more, more games, but a Conference League? What the hell is that? <laughs> I don't know what I would call it, but I wouldn't call it the bloody Conference League, my God. Super um, Conference. The su- okay, the Super Conference League, I could definitely get. Just I could get behind that. Just doesn't sound good. I don't Why know. conference? What does that I word even mean? Like actually, in the in the in the context of football, what does that even mean? <laughs> the Conference League, like they're all just kind of have a chat about football. They're not actually going to play. Uh, anyway, so Mar- Marseille are actually trying to get in that in the moment. And Thomas, like I was saying, how is that? That would be the best for bad situation. You know, Marseille earlier this season had bloody. Chairs, rocks and stones thrown through the glasses. Andre Villas' Boas's briefcase was ripped up. Alvaro Gonzalez was <laughs> yeah, forget, punched or something like this. that, whatever it was. You know, and now they're all happy-clappy trying to get into Europe. What's, this, what's that all about? 
I mean, they've just been... So how many games has, has um, Sam Pally been there for? It feels like it's been... So he's had six games, could, four wins, a like, uh, draw and a loss. so much more than, than six games. I don't know why. No. Um, but no, they've 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 uh, they've conceded a few. I think they I think there was a Montpellier draw a few weeks ago that was three all. I think it was. Yeah, they, they, uh, they haven't not, really. I don't think they've convinced in many of those matches. Um, I mean, wins are wins, good for them. But you know, a sketchy win against Wren, who were also managerless at the time. Two really late goals against Brest. Dijon doesn't count. Last week, you know, <laughs> last week against Lorient. So it hasn't been plain sailing at all, but mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's certainly turned the tide, I guess. Ah, but Jeremy Smith, he's got your favourite player playing really well all of a sudden. Uh, Demi Payet, five assists and a goal in six games. There must be a European competition around the around the corner, surely. <laughs> well, there's certainly a... a a contract or or a you know a place to play for, seeing as he's, <laughs> he was rumoured to be one of those that they want to ship out. Um, yeah, I, I think there's still issues there. You know, there was a thing in Lekip today about how Torvan's really annoyed because he's been sort of played in three or four different positions since how Pauli came in, and mm. he had a training ground bust up with uh, Alvaro this week as well. So um, I don't think everyone there are happy bunnies, but. Yeah, Payet's doing his usual, a new manager to impress, so he'll he'll do a good job and then he'll fall back into his usual ways, I guess. But <laughs> Are Marseille still a bit of work away, though, from becoming a, a really solid team? You know, you compare them with a team like Lance, who just seem as if everything's kind of on the same page this season. But Marseille, you know, they were, they were at each other's throats, have been literally this week, uh, but all season it's not really been the happiest of places. They, they still look as if there's a good bit of work to be done there before Marseille can be competing for Europe and titles and whatnot again. Jeremy? I I guess it's the usual thing that they've sort of got higher quality players who can sort of come up with something when it's needed Mm. to to secure a a score a goal or secure a win somewhere along the line. Whereas Lance, uh, um, you know, individually probably not as good but play very much more as a team um i think you know similarly to 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 monaco earlier it looked like marseille's season was over so in a sense that they have been playing not that Lance have been playing with pressure because no one necessarily expected them to to fight for europe but you know everything was so wrong at marseille that it would have been quite an achievement for sao paulo to come in and sort of make it worse um, so I think anything now is sort of a free hit, and if they qualify for Europe, even better. Um, although with French clubs, we've seen that you know having that extra competition to contend with isn't necessarily always a good thing. But yeah, um, I've definitely seen that with Marseille as well. Yeah, in the past. But I think for them, it's just a case of getting to the summer and taking stock then, because I, you know. I think Tovan's at the end of his contract. Payet and Mondanda have—they've been talking about them leaving, but you know maybe things change now. Um, you know, a couple of players on loan that they may or may not want to keep. Um, you know, I think it's—it's it's going to be a big summer for them if they want to sort of mm. maintain this kind of positive end to this season and actually have a serious tilt at whatever it is they want to have a tilt at next year. Champions League places—it feels like they're still quite a long way behind the the current top three or four. Hmm. Do you think that money will actually be spent though? 
I think they're going to have to sell. I don't think they've got any money. And I wasn't. I think yesterday there were rumours that McCourt wants to sell the club now as well. So um, it feels like things could still get worse before they get better. But yeah, I think they they do have players there that they can, they can get some money for. But this summer of all summers, um, and I don't think anyone in that Marseille team, um, apart from Kamara, obviously, and, and maybe. Gonzalez to an extent, Coletta Saar on his good days. I don't think there's many players there that you can really get good value from. So I think they're going to have to be really canny in the transfer market, both in terms of selling and buying, if they if they really want to sort of improve the squad for next year. Maybe if Watford get the money out again for Papi Gay, they could get a bit of money <laughs> off that. Um, Thomas, they're facing ramps in this one, Marseille. They're going away to ramps, currently sitting 11th. We had the news uh, last week, I think it was, that David Guillaume, the ramps manager, will will be leaving at the end of the season. And they really have flattened out in recent weeks, haven't they? I think it's a lot of draws. I think they've maybe had one loss, but it's not been fantastic in the last few weeks. Is there still much for them to really fight for, or is it just a case of pride at the moment? I mean, the right in the middle of the table... We don't. I can't. There's no way they can challenge for Europe now. But they're safe enough. I think they're on four, forty, forty-one points. Um. So it's, it's. I think it's just mainly about having a, a good end to the season for them, and obviously Guillaume, um, going out on a on a high note. Um, you know, with a, with a with a team that he's he's worked so well with over the past uh, past few seasons. Guillaume will be trying to put together a good CV for the Tottenham job, won't he? <laughs> Sure. sure. <laughs> uh, David Guillon's ramps then 11th place going up against Marseille in this one. Thomas Wiseman, how do you see this one finishing between the two teams? What's your score prediction for it? I'm going to go with a one-all draw. One-all draw, the tastiest result in world football. Jeremy Smith, how about you? Uh... <laughs> I'm tempted to say Ras will go for a hat trick of, of three straight nil nils, but um, I think Marseille will do it again and sneak a, a very late win. So I'll go two one Marseille. Okay, I, I will say it, Jeremy. I'll go. I'll go nil nil draw. They're a nil nil draw against Mets. They're a nil nil draw against Nice. Nil nil draw against Marseille. Yeah, it sounds right. It sounds right. Gramps have kind of made a career of that in the years they've been back up in Liga in the last few years. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go nil nil draw as well. But let's move on to our final part of the show, uh, previewing Leon versus Lille, two teams who are definitely still in the title race. This magnificent title race, you have to say. And, and, and Jeremy. Sometimes we don't really focus on the good things. How good has this title race been this season? PSG, obviously the holders seem to get it every year, but all the other team, big teams have, have kind of stepped up this this season. You know, Lille, Monaco as well, Lyon, they've really got themselves into the battle. Could You could say it's the best title race in Europe, Jeremy? Yeah, I, I, I definitely think it is. I mean, there's... there's <sighs> Germany was sort of close to a point and then Bayern ran away with it. Same as in, in Italy, Milan did all the running, but now Inter are miles ahead, um, Man City here. So Spain is a, is a good one. And, and actually, you can argue that's now a four-horse race because Sevilla is sort of caught up with the top three. But um, I think th- this one, I think, has really been compelling. Um, 
you've got a little bit of everything. You've got um, PSG as sort of the aristocrats, but kind of still not necessarily always clicking as a team and, and often, again, relying on individual bits of brilliance. You've got Lille, who have been, a, I think, the, the best team throughout the season. Um, and again, I think they deserve a lot of credit for the fact that, as usual, they actually started the season with quite a different lineup or spine to what to what they had last year. Um, and I think they've shown both sides of, of their game. They sort of the, earlier in the season they they showed really good attacking stuff, and now it's a lot more defensive. You've got Lyon, who are just the usual head cases. You can be brilliant one week and awful the next. And you've got Monaco, who've sort of crept up behind and playing with amazing um, freedom and, and really sort of attacking stuff in, in recent weeks. So, um, and the last few weeks, I mean, at different points, it really has looked like any of them could win it. I think a lot of models um, a couple of months back, for some reason, were saying that Lyon would win, which I always thought was a bit of a long shot. PSG, still my favourites, because I still think it's harder to see them dropping points. Lille have had... You know, six-point leads at certain points, and Monaco have just, you know, gradually kept closer and closer and closer. And I think now they're only like two points off or something like that. So um, it's just it's perfectly poised. Like you know, three points separating the top four is fantastic, and still a couple of games between those teams. So I still feel like there's going to be twists and turns, and and. Yeah, for me, it's it's obviously I'm a little bit biased, but it's it's the best title race in Europe right now. Mm. And and the thing is, you look at PSG, who, you know, they've won all they win it all the time, and as much as they're not at the top at the moment, Jeremy, I, I kind of share your sentiments that they they could just they, I've got a feeling they're just going to edge back into the top and and win it eventually, but. None of their games are easy. They've got an away trip to Mets, which, Jeremy, you'll, you'll know more than most, is that's a tough away trip. Paris have struggled there in the past. Then they face yeah, Lance, yeah. who have got a lot to play for with the Conference League. Then Rennes, they could be playing well under Bruno Genesio still at that time. Rams, who could be tricky in Brest. Okay, maybe not as tricky, but, you know, PSG have still got a lot of tough games. So this could be the season, like Monaco a few years ago, that you do see... Um, not an underdog, but you know what I mean. One of the the lesser teams win it. Someone outside of PSG's. It's a real possibility this year. And and Jeremy, looking at Lille, they're top of the table at the moment. They have five games to go, and we've talked a lot on this podcast about mentality. How's your mentality? PSG have shown in in recent years a fantastic mentality, amongst other things. And they lead on points. So if Lille win all five games, no questions asked. There's the title. See you later. Your name's on the trophy. Do you think they have the mentality to keep up, to just win all, f- all five games and to make it an easy title for them? Uh, yes and no. I mean, you look at their last four games and, you know, winning at PSG shows extreme mental fortitude. Winning at Mess is not necessarily the, the hardest thing at the moment because for various reasons, Mess had come to a bit of a standstill. But Mess did outplay Lille, yet Lille still got a 2-0 um, win. Um, and then sort of on either side of that was like a, sh- a shock defeat at Nîmes. And then last week, a, a sort of 
they got the draw against Montpellier, but it was it was sort of last gasp. So I feel like they are stuttering. I do think that the break has done them good. I think it's good that Yilmaz is back and that could help. But I, I, they don't have the easiest run in, I don't think. Um, they've got three of five matches away, which actually, if you look at their away form, isn't necessarily a disadvantage. But, you know, Lyon, obviously one of the rivals, Nice have, have really turn turned their form around to an extent. Away to Lens, which is obviously a, a huge derby anyway, but with both teams having a lot to play for. Saint Etienne have improved and then <laughs> last match of the season away to Angers, which I, I don't know, you know, Moulin's last match is still not going to be straightforward. So <laughs> I, I do Andre think they've got the mentality well. for it and on any one given match I think they have shown that, you know, even when they're not playing well they can pull out something. But I just, I can't, I really, I can't see them winning all five matches at all. Um, so, so then it, 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 you know, it depends on what happens to the other teams. I tell you um, what, I tell you what, see if Thomas Wiseman's sloppy ass Angers team take this title away from Lille on the last day, oh, of, the, on the last day of the season. Yes. Oh, words are going to be hard. I mean, I want, words are going to be hard. I want, I want Lille to win, but I also want Moulin to go out on a high. And oh, that would be so. It would be oh man. But it honestly, happen, so. at, at, at full time, I'm going to be putting fuel in the car for the drive down to Wigan. Honestly, to go <laughs> to go slap this boy Wigan. senseless. My God, Manchester, sorry, just uh, outside. Wigan, Manchester, same thing. Shut it. Close enough. You don't know where I live, <laughs> do you? Unless you're literally outside my window right now. Um, <laughs> Thomas, what do you think of all this, though? The, the, the title race going into the last five games. Do you think Lille will be able to really hold it out? Five games to go, one point in the lead? I mean, we've seen them quite a few times this season snatch points. Um, but I just, I'm just worried about, uh, for, for these... Uh, I'm more confident that Monaco won't lose any games, really, towards the end of the season than, than anybody else. But again, PSG are just, you can never count them out. Um, they, they, could, they could just roll over some, some of these teams and I think you're only hoping that they'll, they're distracted by the, the Champions League games and they, they rest um, the rest of these. I think they're, I think the, the league game in between both the legs is, I think it's Lance, isn't it? So that could be um, one to slip up on. So, but it's definitely going to go down to the to the wire for sure. Mm. And and Thomas, if we look at Leon, you know, a few a few weeks ago, Leon were you know the, the team to beat. They were sitting top. I'm pretty sure at one at one point. And Rudy Garcia's uh, men were getting all the accolades. But now they sit fourth. Of course, they're only three points off the off the top. I understand that, but. Leon have got to look at this season, Thomas, and say that it was a bit of a missed opportunity because they have slipped up on on many occasions and mm. really could could be in that top spot. There's no reason they couldn't be in that top spot, but they're not. Yeah, I mean they're not far off still. It's they I think it's separated. Each team goes down by a point, so they're they're on sixty seven points. Um, but obviously they're relying on the teams above them to to slip up where. You know they have they have done so in uh, in the past month or so, so it's it it's it's definitely, I mean it's it is tough because you know Leon have have had plenty of games this season where they should have won they've they've really rolled rolled teams over and and created so many chances but they just haven't got a 
uh, a clinical finish in their ranks, maybe Slomani um, might be too late enough to to, to change that. But um, yeah, it's it's they're still in it, but I think we're all <laughs> um, less confident about Leon winning it than the, the other three. Mm. And, and with Leon. I know that Lille have drawn 10 games this season and still sit at the top, but Leon, you've got to look at those 10 games drawn. You know, that's, if you turn even one or two of those into three points, you're sitting top yeah. of the table with a couple of and, points to spare. And what does it say if Rudy Garcia wins league in? Just think that the game's that. a bogey. We need to just close it off, just, just finish it. That. This is the final season of French football. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, Lille versus Lyon, a, a massive clash at the top of the table. Something that could be a real, uh, you know, a match that could decide where the title goes this season. Is it going up to the north of France or is it going down to Lyon? Is it going even further down to Monaco or is it going to the centre, to the capital in Paris? Thomas Wiseman, I'll ask you for your score prediction for this one Lyon versus Lille. I'm going to go with a a 2-1 Lille win, I think. Probably an 85th minute goal from, I don't know, Xhaka or something like that. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Jeremy, how about you? Um, I don't think Lyon are going to win the league, but I think they're going to stuff it up for Lille. I think it would just be typically Lyon to raise their game just for this match. Yeah, definitely. Um, frustratingly, so I'm going to say 2-1 Lyon. Yeah, I, I I, think I agree with your sentiments. I think it's going to be the type of thing where Lyon could, like, I don't know, go top at the end of this weekend, but just no one would think they'd actually win it. They could genuinely be top at the end of this weekend and, and still, I, I think, they would stuff it up. I'm going to go for a Lyon one as well. Actually, Lille, I don't know, they scare me sometimes. They do scare me. The draw against Montpellier, the loss to Nîmes, like they've had a lot of slip-ups recently, a lot of slip-ups. Even the 0-0 draw to Monaco a few weeks ago. Like, 10 draws being top of the table, that's very lucky. That's very lucky. Lucky that PSG and Monaco have lost as many games as they have. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm also going to share that with a Lyon win. I'll go I'll go 2-1 Leon because I do see Lille scoring. Uh, Okay, that's going to wrap us up though. Thank you very much for listening. If you're looking for more information on all things French football in English, you can get us on the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com. It's the best place to be to read up about the final parts of the season. Of course, there's a lot of stories still to be unraveled. Top of the table, Lille, PSG, Monaco, Lyon, even at the bottom with the relegation battle and non-Dijon, Nîmes, Lorient, Bordeaux, their financial situation. If you're looking for information on all of those things, you can get us on the website at getfootballnewsfrance.com. You can also find us on Twitter at GFFN. Uh, I've been Lewis McParlin. I've been joined by Jeremy Smith and Thomas Wiseman. Um, five more massive games to go in this league and campaign. And we'll be right here bringing it all to you on the preview show. Once again, thank you very much for listening and I'll see you in the next one. <laughs>